it's this thing or something better. You know, like you're working hard, you are putting in the time, you are networking, you're doing all the things for your career. And sometimes you're like, where, where does this picture become clear to me? You're listening to the Rich and Hired podcast with Chelsea Stokes. Chelsea is a former recruiter for one of the top media companies in the world who transitioned her dream job after years of corporate burnout. Today, she's a career coach who has helped hundreds of women all over the world upgrade their careers, lifestyle, mindsets, and bank accounts. Listen in each week as she dives into the unconventional topics that can help you get to the next level of your career and life. Don't forget to rate and subscribe if you love the podcast. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Rich and Hired podcast. I am so excited to have Lauren McGoodwin here today of Career Contessa. And it is such a full circle moment for me, Lauren, because I followed Career Contessa when I was a recruiter and I used it as inspiration for my business when I started back in 2020. So I'm so honored to have you here today. Welcome to Rich and Hired. Thank you so much for having me. I love to hear that. Yes. So we're going to be talking today about mindset and really just diving into what you do personally for mindset, what you guide people on, and just really talk about anything that you're seeing people struggling with and how to overcome it. But before we do that, I'd love for you to just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I know that's the dreaded question in interviews. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're going to a pro at it by now. So why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and about Career Contessa? Yeah. Well, um, like you said, my name is Lauren McGoodwin. I'm the founder and CEO of Career Contessa, which is an online career resource for women. Um, we help with everything via content, job postings, an anonymous salary database. We have online courses. My goal when I was building Career Contessa was to create like basically a one-stop shop for your career development. I think what most career sites do is they basically become job boards or job sites, job search sites. Um, there's a, a big piece that comes after the job search. Once you get a job, is how do you be successful in the job? How do you advocate for yourself? How do you um, make it work for yourself? And I'm really inspired by research and education and how those two things can kind of blend together and real life stories of you know other women who have been there and successfully done that and how we can help other people build healthy, successful, and fulfilling careers. I Before I launched Career Contessa, I was a recruiter at Hulu. Before that, I had been, I was an admin assistant in higher ed and I basically hated that job. And it really kind of lit the fire in me to be like, okay, what, what is this whole career thing going on? You know, I was very much your stereotypical millennial woman where I was really ambitious, but I lacked direction. I had checked all the right boxes, but I was still in this dead end job. I graduated during a recession. It was just like the combination of all these bad things. But in hindsight, they really have prepared me for what I'm doing today as an entrepreneur and building Career Contessa. And when I got to Hulu and I was on the other side of the hiring table, that's when I realized like, wait a minute, this is the way we're taught to get jobs and be successful in jobs is not the reality. Also, everyone has to remember Career Contest is 10 years old. So 10 years ago, there wasn't as much information about being a woman in the workplace. It, we were treated like, okay, the, the blanket advice is for everybody. And we all know like a one size fit all approach does not work, especially for careers. Um, and so what we did at Career Contessa is basically kind of start to develop services and resources that offer more personalization as time went on. But um, now today, people think of Career Contessa as like, oh, this huge resource that's always existed. But we added it one step at a time, which I think is kind of 
my overall philosophy. I wrote a book called Power Moves and the whole Power Moves approach is that too. So um, this is a long-winded way to answer this question so people shouldn't take my advice on it. But like, basically when you say, tell me about yourself, it's like, I'm obsessed with helping people be fulfilled in their careers. And I I believe it's possible. Um, and that's what I set out to do each day. No, I love that. And it's so funny. I have such a similar path. I also worked in higher education. That was my first job out of school. And it was definitely a challenge. It was definitely something that was not a fit long term. And I also went into recruiting and I had the same reaction. I thought, why is nobody talking about what is actually going on? And I was someone who went to a career center back in college and, you know, helped me with my resume and interview prep. And while it might have been helpful in some sense, it was nowhere near the tools that I really needed to be able to find a path that aligned with me and actually get hired at companies. And I'm really big on work-life balance and, you know, companies that pay well and really going for those companies that are going to take care of you. And that's something that what really inspired me to follow Career Contessa when I was a recruiter and when I was starting my business, because I do really feel like y'all give it straight and you give different advice than what is that blanket advice that's out there. That's not really, I think, guiding, especially women into the level of their career that they could be at. Yeah, I've been told that I don't sugarcoat much, which is true. I don't sugarcoat much. I will tell you it straight. I also think there's a lot of people who give career advice who have never you know, been on the recruiting side of things. They don't know how hiring managers think. So I think it's important to get your advice from sources. And there's plenty of really good ones out there too. So from sources who have actually been there and, and done that. Um, and you know, I think with anything, when it comes to your career, it's a huge part of your life. It causes a lot of anxiety for people because they feel like maybe they don't have a ton of control over it at times. And I completely understand that. And so, um, I, I personally, Career Contessa was a resource I wish I had had when I was feeling very lost and anxious about, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be stuck in this forever? Because that's an awful feeling. So I've been there. I've done that. I, I hope these resources are helpful for people. And yeah, everything you said, I, I relate to it so well. I always joke I was the Career Center's poster child. Like I, they all knew me by name. <laughs> um, like I was there all the time. And it's just, it's just not the reality of how it works. And it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, certainly they're well-intentioned. And I think there are people out there yes. who do the best they can. But I do def definitely think having the recruiter side really opens your eyes to how things actually work. So I love that. And I love that about Career Contessa. I'm curious, though, we'll definitely get to mindset. But how did you decide to make this shift from being in you know, a, a normal, quote unquote, nine to five into entrepreneurship? Yeah, it was very hard. So I actually, so while I was working in higher ed, I was able to enroll in a master's program. I had to apply, but if I got into it, I was able to take one class per semester and the university would pay for it. So I started doing that basically right away. And so by the time I had shifted over to Hulu, I was at the very tail end of this um, experience and I was getting right, ready to write my master's thesis. And they let you basically pick whatever topic you want. I decided to write it on career resources and millennial women. I really, at the time, again, this was like in 2012, um, I was like, there's really something here where like, we're about to be the biggest, you know, the, the, the biggest generation of women to be in the workplace ever before. And something's missing. And I, I was feeling that a little bit at Hulu. Like I was looking around, I was like, where are the women leaders? Like, what's this gonna, so, and I think when you are young in your career, that's naturally what you do is you start to look around, like, who are your role models? So 
that kind of is the beginning of career contestants. I, I, I studied this for my thesis. As part of my thesis, I applied for a grant to create career contestants as a prototype. And I was grant, I was granted it. Um, so I took the like $3,000 of the grant and I created the career contestant website as really like a prototype to what I thought needed to exist. And then through the university, I also held focus groups. So I was really, career contestant was really kind of a means to an end in the beginning where I was just creating it to, to finish my graduate degree and call it a day. I was traveling with a developer because I was a university recruiter. So we would travel a lot to universities and he's like, you have to keep this going. Like you, this is important, which is ironic because it's like a 40 year old man who was telling me this. And I was like, you think? And he's like, yeah, if nothing else, you're going to help women. But what if you could leverage it for a different job? So I have to say, I give him credit for being like, okay, I'll keep this going as a side hustle. So for almost a year and a half after that, I kept it as a side hustle. When Hulu started going through a bunch of shifts, I was really considering another recruiting job at another tech company or doing career contestant full time. And I ended up deciding like now is my chance to, to do it full time. But it was very hard for me to leave Hulu because I loved my job. I love the people I worked with. I was really good at my job. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm a very risk adverse person. So it really went against everything in my being to go full time on a side hustle and leave a career that I had worked really hard for. Um, and I will admit for the first couple of years, I thought I did make a mistake, you know, and I was like, okay, I, I should start job searching now. Like I remember having that thought a lot in the beginning. Um, and then I kind of got a lucky break where a sponsor, a brand came to me and they wanted a big partnership. And that was really kind of the, like kicked it into high gear of like, okay, now I can hire someone now that I'm part of a team. I, what I learned about myself there too, is like, I'm very good on a team. I, I work really well with other people. So that was the beginning of it. Kind of got more of a direction with Career Contessa, more of like a, a revenue stream consistency. Um, so in hindsight, I will say, looking back, I probably shouldn't have left my full-time job right away. I should have thought about some of these other things. But you know, you don't know what you don't know. And that was me to a T. I was like 27 at the time. And I didn't know what I didn't know about running a business. I had had this website and I knew people liked it, but that doesn't pay the bill. So um, in long story short, I, I had, it was, it was challenging. I, when I thought about leaving, I started saving up big time. When I first left, I was really scrappy about, you know, being really frugal, but also, um, like I was still consulting for some people on the side if they needed help with like sourcing or other recruiting needs. I remember I was like walking neighbors, dogs, like anything I could do to like kind of have some sort of little income while I was doing it. But it took me about a year before I made like, like was able to actually pay myself anything for career contessa. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny, Lauren, we have such similar life paths in a lot of ways. Because I also when I was thinking about leaving my recruiting job, I started going on recruiting interviews. And I was like, this just isn't right. And I made like a really big career pivot. I went into tourism, being an active travel guide, and then eventually got let go and started my business. But I think that I ha have a lot of people that come to me and listen to this podcast that are very driven, very ambitious, and they feel like the only way for them to get happy in their careers is to start a business, which certainly you can. You know, I, I know a lot of people too that have great careers and great side hustles. So I'm kind of curious of your view on how can you be fulfilled in the corporate world? And I know we're kind of like going in a couple different directions, but I think this is, would be interesting to get your take on. Do you, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear from you. Do you believe that you can be happy in your career? And if so, how? Yes, I absolutely believe that you can be fulfilled working for somebody else, basically, right? Instead of running your own business. In fact, one of the gripes I have with entrepreneurship is it's, 
it's so glamorized. And I'm like, wow, this is not what 99.9% of running your own business is. Um, and of course you have, everyone knows this, but those are the highlight reels, right? Like, so I have this, um, analogy I use a lot where I'm like, you have to have glitter and glue in your career. And the glitter is like the highlight reel and the glue is all this stuff that is like kind of the messy behind the scenes that no one sees, but it's like, you know, it's like the meal prep before you show up to the amazing dinner. It's like all the stuff that has to happen the glue is a really important part of your career. And the glitter is just kind of the, the icing on the top where it's, it's beautiful. It's that it's what we you know talk about with our career achievements. But to answer your second question of can people be fulfilled? Yes. How do they, how are they fulfilled? I think it starts with expectations. Um, I am very guilty of being the person who had very unrealistic expectations. I was expecting a job to fulfill every single part of my being. And I, this is to no, no one's fault, except that when I was doing my thesis and I was researching all this, especially the millennial generation, which whatever happens with any generation, it spews into the other, it spills into other ones. So it might've been very, um, like poured heavily onto the millennial generation, but everybody else got it too. Just like whatever's happening to Gen Z will get poured onto everybody else as well, which is, I was expecting kind of this like dream job that it existed and that it was my job to find it. And if I didn't find it, it was my fault. And what we know now is that, you know, you can't turn yourself into a human DIY project and work really hard because at the end of the day, there's systemic bias, there's policies in place. Like there's, there's these bigger systems at a much higher level, institutional level that are keeping people from being able to sometimes be successful. And so, um, I think I kind of grew up in the generation of like the girl bossing of like work really hard and your hard work will be perceived. And, um, now what I realize is that you can be fulfilled in your job, but your expectations have to be managed and be realistic. Mine were certainly not in the beginning. I have a whole chapter in my book about the myth of the dream job, because I think many people uh, among me, like my peers, we we believed that happened. And that meant no toxic bosses, no hellish commutes, um, no tough feedback, no times where basically we weren't you know, just bouncing around or bouncing along and making progress constantly. As you know, that's not real life. And when you run your own business, that's also not realistic. You're not always going to be making progress. Growth might be very small. Um, I always joke like you can have your highest high and your lowest low, and they might be in the same hour. Um, that That's entrepreneurship, and that is also careers. But that doesn't mean that you can't be fulfilled. And I think part of that also um, comes down to being like very aware um, of what are your values? What are the things that are most important to you? um, And how can you find this like value aligned fit with a career and a company? Um, I am a big proponent of like, when I tell people to job search, I will never tell them to just search, you know, make a resume, apply for jobs. I am really big on target companies. Like what is the company that is aligned with your values? Um, You know, how can you find those? What are your values? How can you determine that value fit and then go from there? So it's a long answer to your question again, but to answer it, yes, I think you can be fulfilled if your expectations are realistic and you're managing them. And by the way, expectations are not something we set once. It's it's a constant setting and resetting, reevaluating, setting, reevaluating, that kind of thing. Um, and it depends. We go through chapters of our lives where, um, you know, I have to like roll my eyes a little bit at the lazy girl job, but there are cha- there are chapters of your life where you're career isn't your top priority. Your life is your top priority or something else in your life is your top priority. And you might, you know, get off, you know, take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit. These are all like natural 
parts of life and a career and careers are long. <laughs> so you might as well kind of buckle up and put the, the tools in place to get through that long journey. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much good stuff there, but two big things really stand out to me. The first is I also had this idea with my dad. He was at the same company for 35 years. So I grew up as many of us did, right? With like, okay, you're going to stay in one career path forever. And for a lot of, you know, for some people, if you become a doctor or a lawyer, maybe, right? But also we are humans, we grow and change. And I think the idea that our careers don't grow to is completely asinine. And I think having the tools to be able to do that is what leads to fulfillment. And I agree, there are seasons of your career. You know, we have moms listening, right? Like that, your child will become your priority at certain points, right? And your career might look differently for that. So I love all of that. But basically, I kind of feel like what I'm distilling from what you said with expectations is it's it's inner work, right? So, you know, it is about finding what aligns with you and then your career just reflects that. So that I think ties very well into mindset. So I'd love to see, you know, kind of with the view you have in your own life and with Career Contessa, what are some of the mindset blocks or the biggest mindset blocks you see your readers facing or that you've just kind of seen in your own experience? Yeah, I think absolutely the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. That That's a big one that comes up. I would say probably, <laughs> I feel like you have chapters in your career and they're sort of like the first decade, the second decade, third decade, et cetera. First decade, that quarter life crisis moment that we've all probably experienced is that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. The, I thought I always wanted this thing. I worked really hard to get it. Now I'm here and it's not what I thought it was going to be, right? Um, that's sort of, that's that fixed mindset of like, I'm not going to like my eyes on the prize. I'm not going to go after anything else because this is what I've been told I want on paper. It looks good. Um, and what happens is when you get there and you're not happy, you kind of have this quarter life crisis moment of like, Oh my gosh, like now what do I do? This is what I thought I wanted. If this isn't what I wanted, like I can't trust my own self to pick what it is. Um, and it can be very nerve wracking and really shakes your inner core of, okay, who am I? What do I want? And feeling kind of the sense of like starting over. I understand this kind of nervous anxiety that can um, kind of run through your veins. And, uh, you know, the solution to that obviously is a growth mindset, but these are not switches that we can just flip and poof, now we have, you know, growth mindset. Um, Growth mindsets are challenging to to incorporate, but they're absolutely worth the reward. Um, So for me, it's, trying something new and different. It's pushing myself out of my comfort zone. It's taking on the project that maybe you're not quite sure, like the stretch assignment. Um, It's having more moments of self-reflection along the way and asking yourself questions. It's saying, I'm not going to be, you know, so set on this being the only outcome that could exist. Um, I'm a big fan of sort of setting process-based goals versus kind of outcome-based goals and that's celebrating the process along the way because the outcome might change. And I think that's important. So that was a big mindset shift for me. Um, another mindset shift I find is the confidence imposter syndrome. And I know it's like a kind of a new thing out there where you have some incredible female leaders who are saying things like, I don't do imposter syndrome, or, you know, there's no such thing as imposter syndrome. And I, I agree to some extent that you know, this has been sort of been told to us that we, we as women suffer more from imposter syndrome. And when you hear something over and over and over again, you start to sort of believe it. It's that, that self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I don't believe that people don't have these feelings. So I do believe that people have moments of self-doubt and they question themselves. 
Um, and my, my response back to people is, okay, what tools can we start to create or things that we can start to create that when you come across those moments, you can say, okay, but here are some examples of times when I did push through or, you know, confidence is not built by reading confidence books. Confidence is built by taking action and then sort of remembering like, okay, did this thing, um, it was out of my comfort zone and, and building it along the way. So I, those are just some of the things I, I noticed that come up for people. Entrepreneurship is sort of a whole other <laughs> ball game um, because I think entrepreneurship, part of the challenge there is having to separate your personal piece of you from your business. Sometimes you can feel like your business is a reflection of you. And so the success of your business is the success of you. It's also outward, right? So people can like the vanity metrics of Instagram or how big your company is, that kind of stuff. Um, that's a big piece. Career identity is another big mindset thing that happens where, um, and I think it's extra hard for entrepreneurs because in a way you are your business. So when people are like, ah, just separate yourself from your business, you're like, my business is literally my name or my business has my face on it. You know, that kind of thing. I have to show up every day. So career identity is a big one. Um, a few years ago, I started telling people to start finding the good enough job instead of the dream job, because I felt like that career identity piece was getting really, really hard for people. And then what happened is COVID happened and all of a sudden people were being laid off and things were shifting and the companies weren't as loyal to them as they were expecting. And now I feel like it's only got exacerbated because now we've had all these layoffs. So the career identity piece is another big mindset part. So I like to tell people some of the solutions to these things are not ignoring imposter syndrome, but the solution for me is self-compassion. You know, instead of telling yourself, I'm the best, I'm the best, I can do it. Be compassionate, show yourself some compassion. This is really hard. You've never done this before. It makes sense that you're scared. What can we do to make you less scared? We can prepare really well. We can ask a couple of people for feedback and then let's record how we do after this. You know, like showing yourself compassion, I think is way better than trying to just like pump yourself up and pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, for career identity, I think the solution is how can you start to reclaim your life from your career by going after the good enough job instead of the dream job? It doesn't mean it's not a job that you're not fulfilled in or that you're settling or anything like that. Again, a lot of mindset shifts, a lot of expectation shifts. Um, so those are just a few that come to mind. Yeah, no, I love all of that. So many good golden nuggets in that. And that all or nothing mentality, you know, that growth mindset, fixed mindset, I see that all the time. You know, I call it the unhappy job hopping cycle. Like you get into a job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe. That's such a good name. Yeah. It's a cycle, right? You get in a job, it feels okay for a minute. Then you're like, Oh, wait a second. I don't know if this is right. Then you start reevaluating yes. and eventually you either make a change because you get burnt out or you get let go or you just decide to leave. And I think your approach is so much healthier, but so much more, I think, taking your power back in your career and you taking the driver's seat, which is a big thing for me, which I wish I did in my career. Like my career just happened to me a lot <laughs> rather than me actually taking the reins. So I love that because really what you're saying is you have more control in your career rather than basically being a victim to these circumstances that you laid out. Yeah, I would say, so I talk, uh, like, most of my book is about this, because power moves, when people think of a power move, they think of like that one big moment of like, walking into the boss's office and saying, I quit, and you're out, right? But truly, people who are at, 
actually very powerful. They have a power moves approach to their life and their career, which means small everyday power moves build up to the medium ones, which build up to those larger moments, right? And so they recognize, and what I what I did in my book is I interviewed women who had these like incredible careers and they were very fulfilled. And I was like, you have to tell us the secret because none of us can quite figure out how do we build this career that has purpose and like pivot, be able to pivot successfully. And that was the common theme among all of them was that they were able to take this power move approach of basically these small things add up. And you talked about the job hopping thing, which I love because I interviewed someone the other day and we were talking about the grass being greener. And I feel like job hoppers are like this where they're like, Oh, you know, this boss is not for me. So I just need to switch jobs. And once I switch jobs, everything will be right. And the problem is you take yourself wherever you go. So when you do that, whatever interpersonal communication relationship issues you have there, you're going to take them somewhere else unless you address them, right? It's no different than like getting out of a bad relationship and maybe not going to therapy. For us in our careers, you know, we have career therapy instead, which is like career coaching, which I think is incredible. I think everyone should invest in a career coach from truly day one. Um, but one of the things she said that I love so much is she goes, the grass is green wherever you water it. And I thought that was such a good kind of mindset. We have, you know, however you want to look at it, but like changing the lens of the mindset of like, the grass is not greener, but you know what? The grass is green wherever you water it. So if you do job hop and you decide to stay there, then be there with both feet on the ground, watering that grass, showing up every day, thinking about how you can really nurture that. Um, and you talked about being kind of a victim in your career. And what I would say, especially people with the power moves approach is that they are not reactive in their career. They're very proactive. Um, that is a really, really big part of controlling your career or feeling like you have a sense of control. And instead of kind of being that manic, anxious piece of you where you're like, oh my gosh, I got laid off. Now what do I do? Because I've always been reacting to what's being thrown at me. It's another um, common thing I see among employees who are considered invaluable in the workplace. So we've always heard about be indispensable. I'll tell you why you don't want to be indispensable though. Indispensable means you're indispensable to that specific role. You don't get to grow because we can't afford to lose you. The mentality is we can't afford to lose you. When you're invaluable, the mentality is we don't want to lose you. How can we continue to let you grow and move and advance in a role? Um, and so these all, you can see it. It's like a little like breadcrumbs. They all get connected to each other. It's first adapting the mindset of like the grass is green wherever you water it. Then it's the mindset of I'm going to be proactive in my career instead of reactive. Then it's the mindset of I'm going to be invaluable. How do I become invaluable at work? Well, I, I do the job that's needed, maybe not the job that's asked me. I was talking to a friend the other day and she had been laid off at Meta and another p old coworker we had also worked with her at Meta. And I was like, oh, so-and-so is still at Meta. That's incredible. And she's like, I'll tell you why. And she goes, I know exactly why they kept her. During COVID, when everything was getting crazy and nuts and as you can imagine, um, recruiting was having all these shifts. She goes, she really got into the messy problems and helped out and did it with an amazing attitude. And she goes, I in hindsight, absolutely saw myself kind of pull back and be like, I don't know how to do that. I'm not really sure. It's not my job. I'm not. And this other person did. And look, there's, there are plenty of people who get laid off who are incredible at their jobs. And it's just truly a numbers game. And so this is not a reflection of my friend at all, not being good at her job. But it was interesting that later on, she's had this self-reflection of like, basically what we're talking about. She was indispensable to the role, but that person was invaluable to the organization. Um, and that's that these are all start, they all start, in my opinion, with mindset shifts.
Mm -hmm. And I think something so, I mean, again, so many good nuggets there, but when we think about people who are successful and are having careers that feel aligned, I think a big thing is putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable and maybe you don't exactly know what to do, but you figure it out. And I can't speak to yeah. that person in particular at Meta, but I would say for the people I know who have a lot of success in their careers and are happy in their careers, they are continually putting themselves in situations that maybe they don't know the answer, or maybe they are uncomfortable and they figure it out. And I think yeah. as women, this is something that we don't do as often. I try not to make generalizations, but generally I would say that's something I see. And so I love that you've called that out there. Like, you know, in becoming invaluable, you may need to get yourself out there into a situation that you may not know exactly how to figure it out, but you try. And, and for that person, that is what the thing that maybe is keeping them there. Do you have any thoughts on that and kind of getting yourself into those situations where maybe you don't have all the answers? Yeah, I think like an example would be um, going to your boss and being like, once what's one thing you hate doing, but it's important to do. Can I take it off your plate? Could I, can I help you out with it? Um, I think having that figure it out mentality of, you know, they ask you to do something and they're like, you know, I'm thinking, or maybe you hear them talk about something over and over and over again. And instead of waiting for them to assign you it, you could say, I'm going to figure that out. I, I know you've, you've mentioned this thing three or four times. Let me figure it out. Let me come up with a game plan, do some research. Um, that doesn't mean like not asking questions along the way. It doesn't mean like going out on your own and nobody knows. I think one of the biggest tragedies in the workplace is when your contributions go unseen and unrecognized. So it's always very important to make sure that people are aware of what you're doing and the impact you're making. Um, but I also think it's interesting. I actually think women are so good at figuring it out. Now I have two kids under the age of two. And so when you have kids, it does not come with a manual of how to parent them, right? It's like the, it's the, biggest entrepreneurial journey you'll ever be on is having kids because nobody tells you, even, well, everyone tells you what to do. Everyone has tons of advice, similar to like when you're running your business, but it's different. Every kid is unique. And so I actually think women are so good at figuring out because how do we figure out how to have careers and have kids and what to do at that midnight feeding when your kid isn't like we Google things, we test things out, we research, we, um, we talk, we go and collect research and data from other parents about what work has worked for them. Um, and it's interesting. And I, I know I'm using parenthood as an example, but I think you could apply that to other things in your life. I think people are very good at that or women especially are very good at that. But again, are we making sure those contributions are being seen and recognized? And so that is a big piece of this too, is of like, as you are doing these things throughout your career, making sure that people know of your impact. Self-advocacy is, it's huge. And it's not something we're taught how to do. It's like, okay, add that to the list of things they should teach you to do in high school and college. Um, and I have a couple tips for that. If people are like, okay, I'm ready to to make sure my contributions are known. Obviously, keeping track of your contributions and all that's a really good idea. But one habit that I really love, someone did it with me um, here at Career Contessa, and it's something that I've told clients to do and I've seen it work in real life, is start sending a daily or a, a weekly status report to your boss. So your status report on Monday could be like, here are the things that you've told me are important. Here are the projects I'm working on. Here's the status I'm working on. And then on Friday, you basically could send a recap. If weekly is too often, maybe you send it monthly. But the point here is sending some sort of communication that is not adding another to-do list item to your boss's plate, 
but making sure that your contributions are known and recognized. I think that's really important. Um, I interviewed this woman on my podcast, Liz Weissman. She told the story of um, it's like having or going to a restaurant with like an elevated waiter uh, experience. Um, and the example she gave is like, she was like, you want to be the waiter where they know you're tr- trying to catch your flight. And so they bring your meal to you early. It's packed up into go boxes already. It includes coloring books for your kids because you're about to get on the plane. They do all this stuff. And so they're doing it all behind the scenes, but they're letting you know when they get right before they give you the check to, to leave them a tip, they're letting you know, here are all the things I did on your behalf behind the scenes to make this easier for you. Think of how that's similar to self-advocacy. And while and and I love that example because I think it gives people a, a helpful visual. But I think the, the the weekly email status update to your boss also does that. It's like, here are all the things I'm doing behind the scenes um, to kind of make your life easier. But I'm not, I, I can be very matter of fact. I don't have to seem really braggy. I don't have to make it overly personal and like, how amazing am I? And I'm looking for constant, you know, praise. It's more like, I took care of that. Don't worry. You know, I, I know you have this thing coming up. So I took care of this other thing. Um, here's the report. Or, you know, I, I know Monday mornings, it's a stress for you to get to the office by 8am and you've got that meeting right away. So I'm happy to just pull that report and have it on your desk for you. You know, little stuff like that, um, that you're doing that and just making sure those contributions are then seen and recognized. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more. I've worked with so many moms and they just, you know, they have situations with their kids and they just figure it out. And I love that comparison to bringing that to work. I'm curious. I think some of our listeners might be thinking, this is at least what I hear from a lot of people is, well, am I going to seem too pushy? Am I going to seem too overeager? How am I going to be perceived if I do something like that? So do you have any thoughts on that? I think all those tips you just gave were so valuable and so valid. However, I do think people sometimes have a mindset block of like, oh, am I going to be too much? Well, first of all, I think people prefer over communication versus under communication. So I mean, but if, if, if you're feeling that way, maybe set the context with your boss first. So instead of just sending this email every week, maybe you could in your one-on-one let them know like, hey, I would love to start sending you a weekly status report. There's no need for you to respond. It's more of a way for you to stay updated on what I'm working on, let you know of my status of things. But also I feel like then things are moving so quickly around here that if we need to adapt or change, you can, you can see what I'm working on. If I need to make any changes, we can address it right then and there. So you can, you know, provide some context and then show them like, how does this explain to them how this benefits them as well? Um, let them off the hook, make sure they know, like, there's no need for you to respond to the emails unless you want to. Also, this will work as almost like, um, you know, keeping a, a, a paper trail of the work that you're doing. So when it does come time to think about, okay, what have I achieved this year? What have I achieved in the last quarter? Um, it'll be easier for you to be able to keep track of that. So it's almost kind of like for you, this paper trail of like a, a work journal. Um, but I would set the context. If they say to you, like, I do not want anything like that. Um, maybe you could say, well, would it be helpful if I changed it to monthly instead? Um, I, I would imagine good bosses are going to say, yeah, that sounds good if you want to send that. Um, and they might not look at it all the time. They might not look at it um, or you know respond to it all the time. But you will be top of mind for them because you will be sending it once a week or once a month or whatever the cadence is that you decide. So I would set the context and I would do it. The most important part about doing this is if you say you're going to do it, you have to do it, you know, like, so part of this, and if you're not going to do it, maybe you, you set the tone or you, you say to your boss, like, I know we've been doing this for the last six months. 
and it's been going really well for me. Um, but you know, now this quarter we've got a lot on our plate or I don't know what, if if for some reason you decide you don't want to do it anymore, I would just like preface it. Okay. I'm not going to do this anymore. And here's why, or I'm going to change the strategy and do something else. But this is the difference between being reactive in your career and being proactive, like taking that 10 minutes to do that thing is good for you. Um, and a lot of times when it comes, you know, our careers get busy, we take things off of the list that are things for ourselves versus for, um, our, our job. So that's kind of my, I mean, without more context and talking to someone and being like, okay, let's brainstorm on your individual situation. This is why also I think career coaching is so important because it, careers are so unique. Bosses are so unique. Their personalities are so unique. Company cultures are so unique. And so, um, you know, if you like this idea and you're like, well, I need to come up with a better strategy that works more, that's better for my unique circumstances. Career Contessa, we have an entire career coaching service with 40 plus coaches there. Find someone, work with them once a month to help you um, stay again, proactive on top of these things that you want to do. For sure. No. And I, I really love the way you put this. And I talk about this with my clients with radical candor, right? Just laying yeah. it out there being transparent, being direct, but in a kind way, right? Your intentions are good. Your intentions are to help your manager. And if you can just address any doubts that you might have up front, any fears, that's the best thing that you can do. Yes. You don't have to wonder. So I love all those actionable tips. You gave so many good actionable tips in this episode. I would love to just ask you before we finish up anything else that you want to share with our listeners, either on the topic of mindset or anything else you want to remember, or even just one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from this episode, if nothing else. I have a mantra that I recently heard that I love. So I'll leave you guys with the mantra that I have up on a sticky note on my wall, which is it's this or something better. And I think it's really important to have your mindset be, you know, growth mindset and all that, but also a positive outset outlook of it's this thing or something better, you know, like you're working hard, you are putting in the time you are networking, you're doing all the things for your career. And sometimes you're like, where, where does this picture become clear to me? You know, where does the path become more clear to me? Cause right now it feels blurry. And if you're in that season of life, um, I will leave you with that mantra of it's this or something better and to just keep going. Um, and if you, you know, it's okay to take breaks, the long middle part of a, of a goal and reaching a goal is the hardest part. And one thing I have found to be so, so helpful, um, whether you're starting a business or um, you're in the middle of a job search or some, you know, a tough season of your life is create a support system. So like when I first started my business, I had a friend who was also starting a business and every other Friday we would have a call just to help kind of keep each other accountable and to share, you know, the stories of what was, what was challenging this week and to kind of um, brainstorm ideas. Um, when I was job searching a long time ago, um, I also found a friend who was job searching and once a month we had a call. I, that has worked really well for me, but maybe for you, it's going for a walk and listening to podcasts. Maybe it's reading books. Maybe it's, um, joining a a community online and being participating in their webinars or their Instagram event or whatever it is. Um, find some way to support yourself, especially in those seasons of life. And just remember it's this or something better. Love that and ties so well into that growth mindset you talked about earlier. So Thank you so much for being here today. We will put all of Lauren and Career Contessa's social links in the podcast description below. But of course, you can find Lauren at Lauren Goodwin. 
Nick Goodwin, excuse me, Lauren Nick Goodwin on Instagram and Career Contessa on Instagram as well. We so appreciate being here today. Honestly, so many good tips. I know our listeners are going to walk away with so many valuable resources. So thank you so much, Lauren, for being here. Thanks for having me.